Welcome to the Nourish Babes podcast. We're your hosts, Bella and Madison, your go-to besties for all things women's wellness. We're here to help you balance your hormones, heal your gut, learn how to eat, exercise, sleep, manage your stress, break free of diet culture, and get confident as fuck about your own health and healing. Let's dive into today's episode. Before we dive into the episode, are you subscribed yet? Nourish Babes podcast monthly paid subscribers receive access to two to three additional podcast episodes per month, which are longer, more in-depth, and more specific than our free episodes, exclusive discounts and offerings, and also the potential to be featured on one of our case study episodes, where you send in your health concerns and we spend a whole episode sharing our personalized diet, lifestyle, and supplement advice for you. So are you ready to subscribe? If you're listening on Spotify, click the link in the show notes or click the lock icon on Spotify paid episodes. If you're on Apple, click the link in the show notes. On Apple, these episodes are actually hidden from your feed. Once you're subscribed, you will gain immediate access to past and future subscriber episodes. So we hope to see you there. Welcome to season five of the Nourished Babes podcast. Before we dive into the topic of sleep, we always love to do an update of what's been going on in our lives since we recorded the last season of the podcast. So if you're new around here, Bella lives in San Diego and me, Madison, I live in Utah, but I'm currently living in Texas for a little bit. We get together every couple of months to record podcasts together for all of you. So We're currently together in Austin, Texas. So Bella, what's been going on the past couple months with you? Oh my God, so many fun things. So excited to be here. Um, I think my biggest update is that I just got married like less than a month ago. It was the best day of my life. It was so fun. Maddie was one of my bridesmaids, which was so So fun. fun. She did my hair and I just like love it. And it was so special that like someone you like and is so close to you like was such a big part of it. Um, my honeymoon was amazing. We went a little bit south of Puerto Vallarta and just like swam in our own private plunge pool and like looked at the ocean and was just very relaxing and so nice. So that was definitely my biggest life update, but also just like had a very eventful, fun summer. I was my birthday. I turned 29. I went to a lot of Padre games. I went to seven concerts. I actually went to a concert like two days ago, which was so fun. Um, my friend, my other friend is getting married, so I went to her bachelorette party. Uh, you may or may not know, but my sister lives in Colombia, South America, so she was here for my wedding with her three kids and her husband for three weeks. So that was really fun, hanging out with them. So yeah, but now I'm like slowly getting back to like normal life. I feel like I've been planning this wedding for so long and didn't have much free time, but now I'm getting back to work and like creating new offerings and just brainstorming lots of fun things to come. Uh, I'm also just excited to get back to normal, mundane, like regular life. Uh, And I'm excited to be here in Austin. I visited my friend. She was my best friend in fifth grade and she lives here now. So I visited with her for a few days and now me and Maddie are here for a few more days to record the podcast and I'm just so excited. Life is great. Uh, What about you? Yeah, so it's been a couple months. Um, I did another round of Gut Goddess Academy, which was super fun. It's my group program, and that was amazing. That just ended 
a about a week ago and then yeah summer so i spent summer in utah um it was amazing like did so much hiking spent so much time outside yeah just spent tons of time outside in the mountains which was amazing um i also so i was at bella's wedding uh my boyfriend and i darmesh we did a huge road trip uh kind of made a trip out of it so we drove down to zion national park which is in southern utah which was amazing went to joshua tree and then went to cali for bella's wedding which was so fun and then yeah Currently, I'm living in Texas with my lover, which you've probably seen online. We started a whole different Instagram account called The Primal Lovers, which has been really fun. All things like couples, health, wellness, all those types of things. And then I've been working on lots of stuff with my business, launching new products and ideas and services, but also going to launch a tallow, um, a beef tallow base skincare line within the next couple months hopefully called tallow glow so if you're listening to this um outside of october ish maybe it'll be out but yeah so many fun things in the works i'm so excited for that you have made me tallow bomb for like a year now and i like if i'm out i'm like oh no maddie send me more i need more i've been making it for years but yes it's time to give it to the Give it to the public. I love it. I love it. Okay, so obviously this episode is about sleep from the title, nine tips for the best sleep of your life. So let's get into it. First, why the heck does sleep matter? Well, it obviously goes without really explaining, but sleep is so essential for just like good, strong overall health. If you've gone like even one night or a couple nights without good sleep, you really know it and you can just like feel it the next day. So we all know that deep, restful sleep is critical, especially for your hormone balance, digestive health, and just overall health. Most of our clients struggle with their sleep, and it's something that we obviously want to focus on because good, deep, foundational sleep is so important for gut healing, hormone balance, and just being like a well-functioning woman in the world. Exactly. So what actually happens when we sleep, and why why is it essential? A lot of people think, I mean, I used to think like, oh, sleep, not not a lot is happening in your sleep. It's not really important, but there's so many things that are happening when you're sleeping. So your body essentially is slowing down. It's focusing more on recovery, um, which is essential. It's critical for cell detox, clearing out waste. Um, Your liver is working really hard when you're sleeping to just detoxify. It's really important for growth and development, of course, especially in children and teens. Um, that's why they often sleep a lot. It's important for lowering your stress hormones. Uh, brain activity increases in areas that regulate emotions. So that's important. Um, good, getting good, deep, restful sleep supports emotional stability. It's also really important for focus, uh, learning, and memory. If you've heard of the glymphatic system, it's basically like your lymphatic system um, in your brain. So it's your brain is essentially getting detoxified from all the things that it doesn't need in your brain while you sleep. Uh, Your digestion takes a break. Uh, Blood sugar balance is important and proper insulin release during the day. So it's affected by how much sleep you get. So there's a reason why on days that you might not have slept as well, you feel more hungry and irritable and your blood sugar might be all over the place. And it's essential for immune function. 
So those are some of the biggest important things that are happening uh, during your sleep or that are affected by your sleep. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like you think you're just sleeping just to like rest, but there's literally so many other things that happen when we sleep and it's so crucial. So how much sleep do you actually need? Well, from what we've learned and researched, we would say seven hours minimum, but you'll definitely need more during like times of stress or sickness or pregnancy, breastfeeding, etc. Also, typically women need more sleep than men. It can definitely depend on their cycle. Like right before your period, you might need a few extra hours of sleep. And after your period, you might function okay with like less sleep. I personally love nine hours of sleep. I just feel like I'm one of those people who needs to sleep a lot to like rest and recover. Um, But yeah, how many hours do you sleep? Yes, nine is ideal. I feel like prime, in my prime when I get nine hours of sleep. Yes. So whether you sleep really great and you just want to listen to this episode or maybe you have a lot of trouble sleeping, maybe it's hard for you to fall asleep at night or stay asleep, all of these tips that we're going to talk about can definitely be helpful for you. So let's get into our top nine tips for the best sleep of your life. Okay, so number one is embrace light and dark, aka improve your circadian rhythm. So one of the best and top ways to improve your sleep is to set your circadian with this circadian rhythm with the sun, right? So what does this mean if you haven't heard of what circadian rhythm is? Essentially, it's your connection with the light and dark cycles outside. So you preparing for a good night's sleep begins the moment that you wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ideal to get at least like five to ten minutes of sunlight in the morning to signal to your body it is time to wake up. And exposure to morning light helps trigger chemicals and hormones in your brain to actually wake up your body. Um, You don't have to necessarily, like, it doesn't have to be sunny out, but just, like, going outside, even when it's cloudy, you're still going to expose your body and your eyes to those rays that help you wake up. Um, So light essentially signals to your body, like, it's daytime, we need to stay awake. It starts creating hormones that make you feel awake and rested and rejuvenated. Um... And then light after the sun has gone down will actually suppress melatonin production, which is the hormone that makes you really, really sleepy. And um, that will keep you awake. Yes, melatonin is super interesting. Obviously, you've probably heard that melatonin is important for sleep, but it's also in order when we're producing melatonin, it's also really helpful for eye health for regenerating your cells, for increasing progesterone levels. I know so many of the women I work with have low progesterone levels and just so much more. So we also don't actually ever recommend taking melatonin externally. I feel like that's usually a really common supplement for people who struggle with sleep, but we don't recommend it because it can actually hinder your own body's ability of producing melatonin on its own. So that's why we would never recommend it as a supplement. It's also interesting that it actually takes your body two hours of pure darkness for your body to start producing melatonin and actually reap the benefits of it. So say you have like all the lights on in your room or whatever, you're exposing yourself to blue light and then you go to sleep, it's actually gonna take you two hours to actually start producing that melatonin. And this is one of the reasons why like sleep, uh, light, day, um, cycles are so important and that darkness at night is super crucial, especially for your melatonin production. 
Yeah, so one important part of this is like once the sun has gone down, ideally you're not getting exposed to much mm-hmm. light, right? You're trying to mimic the normal cycles of the light and dark that we have evolved with. Um, so for me, once the sun goes down, I will, I mean, bare minimum dim the lights if I can't uh, you do anything else. So you can dim your lights. Um, ideally, I only use candles or Himalayan salt lamps after the sun has gone down. Um, or if I'm looking at a computer screen or a TV screen or my phone, I will wear blue light blocking glasses, like real blue light blocking glasses. Um, I use the we both use a brand for optics, mm-hmm. right? A blue blocking glasses. So I have a, a code you can use gut goddess, um, for a discount on those. They're kind of pricey, but honestly I've bought them once and I use them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, especially during the winter because you know, the sun goes down at like four 30 or yes. five. So I kind of do want to like look at screens for a little bit. Um, So doing these things at night has been life-changing for my sleep. Uh, Being under bright artificial light is sure to disrupt your sleep quantity and quality. I know for me on the nights, um, like if I'm traveling or if I'm with other people who keep lights on late at Mm -hmm. night, I, yeah, my sleep is, I can tell with my sleep. I do not sleep as well and I don't fall asleep as fast and I don't wake up feeling as rested. Absolutely. I am a key on no overhead lighting like at all. Dim the lights, only like lamps. And I have also definitely noticed that on the nights where I wear uh, blue light blocking glasses, like the orange glasses, I'm like so exhausted that I like can't, like I have to close my eyes because it makes me so sleepy and it's probably Mm -hmm. because my melatonin is starting to produce. Um, Other things that go along with light and sleep are try to cover any annoying lights. Like I feel like everyone has that annoying light that's in their room. For me, it's my air purifier. Thankfully there is a like night mode setting that you can click, but like sometimes my cats walk on it and it's like super bright. I'm like, what the heck is that? Um, like chargers sometimes have lights on them, power strips, or maybe even like street lamps if you can't like have blackout curtains or whatnot and you have that light on coming through your window. You can even like use a sleep mask if necessary. I know that one of my neighbors has a really bright light on that's up on all night and I like have like a sheer window. So sometimes it's really bright in our room. Mm-hmm. Or even like the moon sometimes can make it super bright in your room. Yes. So I have like this silk, silk sleep mask that I use and I swear it makes me fall asleep way easier. Um, you could also, along with the red light, you can use, uh, go to like Home Depot or any of your hardwood hardware stores and just buy a red light bulb, like a red LED light bulb. And that will really help to not interfere with your circadian rhythm. This is also a great tip for moms who either breastfeed or have young kids and have to like wake up a lot through the night and like have to turn the light on. Having that red light won't actually disrupt your circadian rhythm unlike normal white or yellow light. So we have a lot more information um, about light specifically, not just sleep. So if you're more interested in that, definitely check out our episode on light. It is episode 30. Also, if you're following our suggestions and kind of sinking your sleep to the natural light outside, you might notice that obviously in the winter, there's not as much light. And Mm -hmm. so you might sleep more in the winter time and that's okay. Um, I typically sleep way more in the wintertime and less in the summertime because, you know, in the summer it doesn't get dark till nine and I'm not 
to sleep till mm-hmm. 11. Whereas in the winter time, I probably fall asleep at like 8.30 or 9.00. Mm-hmm. So I know that disrupts a lot of people's like schedule because they like to do things late into the night sometimes. But yeah, sinking as much as you can uh, your sleep to the natural seasons of where you live is ideal. So let's get into tip number two. Uh, Tip number two is pretty obvious, but is create a bedtime routine. So this goes without saying, but just serves as a reminder that good sleep requires consistency and predictability. So of course you don't need some like 15 step nightly routine, (laughs) but some type of activities you only do before bed can really help signal to your body and prepare it to go to sleep. So This could be so many different things. It could be playing calm music. It could be doing a meditation, uh, having a bath, doing some journaling, a warm shower, really anything that helps your nervous system and your brain and your stress kind of calm down from the day. So um, I put a reminder on my phone at certain times of each night to remind me to start winding down. And ideally you're keeping your sleep as consistent as possible throughout the week um, which will help your body get into a rhythm and know like, okay, I'm doing these certain activities. This means that it is time to like turn off stimulating things, focus on self-care, relax and wind down for the day. Yes, I totally agree with that. Like I can't handle like stressful movies at night or like stressful mm. TV shows. Those like absolutely disrupt me. I like, like I still sometimes go on my phone, but I really try not to go on social media. I'm more of a game person. Like I like puzzle games. And to me, it's just like a nice calming way to like end the day and like just get ready for bed and whatnot. Also, it can be super helpful, um, to go to bed at the same time every single night. I know that's obviously not always possible, but when it's really interesting phenomenon that if we stay up past our regular bedtime, this actually sends a signal to your brain that you're like in danger, that something's happening because you're obviously awake later than you normally do. So say you normally go to bed around 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock and one night you stay up till like two or one in the morning, this is going to send a signal to your brain that like, oh no, we're in danger. Something's happening because we're not sleeping right now. So that night you're actually not going to get that deep restful sleep and you're actually much more likely to wake up through the night to like check your surroundings and just to make sure that you're still safe and okay. So it's just kind of interesting that going to bed at the same time every night or at least around the same time can also help you sleep better. Again, we talk more about morning and night routines. We're going to have an episode about that. It's going to be episode 45. The next tip we have is to keep your room cold. You have probably heard of this tip before. I feel like this is a very hot topic on like what temperature your house should be or your room. Um, But from studies, the temperature of your bedroom that can help really deep restful sleep is ideally between 60 and 67 degrees Fahrenheit at night. I've also heard like to 69 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, but if you just think about it, there's literally nothing cozier than like being in a cold room with like a cozy blanket. Like to me, that is just a recipe for perfect sleep. 
Uh, and this happens actually because your body temperature actually lowers when you go to sleep. So this is why sleeping in a cold room can help bring your body temperature down so that it's easier for you to sleep. This also, as I was writing this, it kind of made me realize why I actually, I'm a pretty good sleeper and I sleep pretty well, but I also typically run on the cold side. Whereas my husband now, he um, usually runs hot and like he definitely has a harder time sleeping than I do. And it's probably because our body temperatures naturally are different. Um, also interesting note that lower temperatures can increase melatonin production and that the earth is like naturally cooler at night compared to during the day. So that makes sense why colder temperatures can help you sleep. And also why during the winter you're more likely to sleep more because it's just colder overall compared to the summer months. So fascinating. Yeah, I love it. So tip number four is have a bedtime snack. So the common advice is to avoid food for hours before you sleep, right? Everyone online mm-hmm. will be like, stop eating at 6 p.m. every <laughs> single night. There's so much nuance and things to be explored with all of this, right? This is partly true. You don't want to eat a massive dinner a couple hours before bed. Um, but sometimes during sometimes a snack an hour or two before bed can really help support a deep restful sleep. So during sleep, the body obviously is having, it's doing a lot still and it's having to rely on stored energy to continue to function and do all the things that we discussed earlier. Um, if you're used to fasting for long periods of time and or under eating calories or you eat dinner way too far away from when you're sleeping, uh, you might notice that you wake up around like 2 to 4 a.m. and this is super common due to dysregulated blood sugar. So your liver can store glycogen, which is stored sugar for about seven to eight hours. So when your blood sugar drops uh, and that liver glycogen runs out, your body increases cortisol or stress hormones to keep providing you with fuel, which literally can elicit a stress response and wake you up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So if um, you can eat dinner at seven, right? Eight. If you say you eat dinner at seven, right? Eight hours later is three a.m. Um, and that's that makes sense. That's eight hours after um, you would eat dinner. So you want to, with uh, a bedtime snack, prioritize protein and carbohydrates. And also it's a bedtime snack. It doesn't have to be a Mm -hmm. massive meal. So Bella has some really good examples for what you can have as a bedtime snack. So these are things that we typically both eat as bedtime snacks. Obviously not every single day. That would be too much. But my favorite bedtime snack, especially in the summer, is some ice cream because it has sugar to calm down your nervous system. It has a little bit of protein in it, not very much, um, but also fat. So it's kind of like a good balance. It could probably use some more protein, but still good and delicious and definitely helps to calm your stress hormones. Another one is milk with honey. Again, like our grandma's new best. I feel like that's such a grandma thing to give their grandchildren. Um, cheese or a beef stick with some fruit. Uh, I like to eat a small amount of leftovers sometimes. Say I ate dinner at like 6.30 or 7 and then I like actually go to bed at 10.30 and I'm like, oh, I feel like I need something in my stomach before I go to sleep. I just go to the fridge and like if I ate this steak, I just like eat some pieces of steak. Or whatever I had for dinner that night. But obviously it's not full-blown second dinner. It's just like a little bit of food to calm my stress hormones. Um, You could also do a small casein protein shake. Casein is a type of protein that is really calming to the nervous system and can actually improve sleep. Another one we love is cottage cheese with fruit. Really quick and easy. 
or something like in the winter months could be a cup of bone broth or a cup of hot chocolate, something like warm and cozy, but also nourishing. Also important to note that I feel like a lot of people do wake up after those seven hours and like 3 a.m. in the morning and they often can't fall back asleep. And so if you find this happens to you a lot, actually getting up and eating something can again help to lower those stress hormones um, and help you like actually fall back asleep rather than you just like laying in bed for an hour just tossing and turning. Something like honey and salt can be also like just like if you tend to wake up a lot throughout the night um, and can't fall back asleep just having some honey and some salt I know it sounds really weird but just have it next to your bed on your nightstand and just like pour a spoonful of honey and sprinkle some salt on it that can also be really easy and then you don't have to like get up out of bed mm-hmm. when I found out about bedtime snacks I was so relieved because <laughs> I always thought like oh I have to stop eating past a certain hour yes. and I think the only reason that I thought to do that was because of like weight right like oh you're gonna mm. just you can't digest that food and you're just gonna like gain all that those calories and like weight which makes absolutely no sense when you really think about it so I love having a bedtime snack yeah and obviously like it's your digestion is going to go down while you're sleeping and you're not going to be but again these are like small snacks and you're probably going to eat it like 30 minutes before bed and like you're still definitely going to digest it that to me is like the weirdest advice now that I know so much more yes okay so our next tip number five is load up on sleep supportive nutrients So some of the most important nutrients for deep restful sleep include your B vitamins, magnesium, sodium, vitamin D, protein, and glycine. So some great sources of these nutrients include beef liver or oysters. And if you don't want to eat these things, you can get them in a capsule. Doing sea salt in your water or on your meals to taste throughout the day. Just making sure you're doing sea salt throughout your day. Uh, cod liver oil, sardines, or egg yolks. So really high in uh, vitamin D. Magnesium glycinate or magnesium flakes, which magnesium flakes you put in a bath, which is a an amazing idea for a nightly routine. Uh, bone broth, gelatin, collagen, or pork rinds. Uh, all animal products, things like beef, lamb, turkey, eggs, fish, all really high in all these nutrients. Adrenal cocktails, which is basically juice, gelatin, or... Coconut water, juice, uh, salt. salt. You can add some collagen powder for a little bit of protein. And then any dairy products, right, because of the casein protein, which helps promote relaxation. Yes, magnesium has been, like, very game changer for me and my mom especially. The other day, she, like, went to sleep, woke up at midnight, couldn't fall back asleep till 4. And so the next day, I was like, Mom, you need some magnesium. And that next night, she did wake up during the night but she was able to like fall back asleep very easily. So it's good for so many things, but especially for sleep. And I've also noticed when I take my magnesium, I get like better sleep. And then when I wake up in the morning, I feel much more rested. But again, just nourishing yourself in general is so helpful. Number six, our tip number six is to be mindful of the types of exercise that you do and especially when. So remember that exercise can actually be a stressor to the body. Of course, it can be a good stressor, but even if it's a stress 
reliever when it's done right at the right time. So those two things are very crucial. So doing too much high intensity exercise, especially later in the day, can of course produce a stress response and then in that case interfere with good sleep. So if you do end up having to exercise later in the day, say 6 p.m. or beyond, try to opt for more gentle forms of exercise like walking, yoga, tai chi, uh, stretching, lifting light weights, etc. These types of like more gentle daily exercises won't spike your stress levels unlike those more intense hit cardio or even like heavy weight training will. I think it's also really important to note that you should just be moving throughout your day um, at least once, but ideally throughout the day, Uh, walking as a bare minimum. I find those days where I'm just like sitting at my computer, grinding away and don't like get up or walk at all. It is so much harder for me to sleep compared to those days where I like get up every once in a while. Maybe I like do a bunch of housework or just go for like a 30 minute walk, anything to move your body throughout the day will really help you fall asleep. Definitely check out more information on walking and exercise episodes. Though our walking episode is episode 18 and the episode right after this one will be all about exercise. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I It's probably been within the last year or two I've noticed how connected my movement is mm-hmm. with my sleep. Yes. And it's, it's, I still get pretty good sleep most of the time now, but I just, I feel like I get so much more of a deep restful sleep when I've moved throughout the day. Like I cannot wait to go to sleep because my body yes. feels tired. Absolutely. I was actually talking to my mom about this episode and she was like, honestly, all those things can be helpful, but the number one most important for, thing for me is to walk throughout the day. She's like, yeah. if I did all those things and didn't walk throughout the day, it would still be difficult. But like walking throughout the day for her yeah. has been so, so helpful. Yeah. So simple. So our tip number seven is clean up your bedding and your bedroom. So we spend a third of our lives ideally sleeping and there's so many toxins that are hidden in our mattresses and our bedding and our pillows and we spend lots of time there. Um, So most of these products are produced with really toxic ingredients and or emit something called VOCs which are volatile organic compounds which are toxins we breathe in all night long. So ideally you wanna opt for mattresses or bedding made from latex and linen, cotton, wool, or other natural fibers. So as far as some resources go for natural bedding, I mean, you can literally Google search like Mm -hmm. linen or, you know, latex mattress, linen sheets, uh, wool mattress topper. Like you can Google a lot um, and there's so many options. A couple include avocado mattress, Um, another brand is Holy Lamb Organics that's made with most of their stuff as wool. And then a company that I actually worked for when I lived in New Mexico was called Sashi Organics and they have amazing, beautiful latex mattresses and wool toppers and like all the things, natural fibers for sleep, which is really cool. Super interesting. I actually just have like a normal mattress, but... I've had it for so long and I've heard it's a lot better to just like have your old mattress that's like been perfuming VOCs Mm. for so many years that it's like not actually off-gassing much anymore. So sometimes like just keeping with your old mattress is better than like buying a brand new one that's not the best quality. Um, But if 
if and when I do buy a new mattress, I will definitely opt for a better non-toxic one because you're literally sleeping there like for a third of your life and just inhaling all that stuff. Um, and then as for sheets, I just go with like regular cotton or linen sheets. Uh, I don't know if we've ever talked about the frequencies of fabric, Mm, but I've heard that linen has a frequency of 5,000 Hertz. And so it can actually like uplift your frequency and like make you sleep better because it's such high quality, which I think is really interesting. Um, I'm also a stand for down pillows, goose down pillows. Like there's something about that cozy squishiness that I just love. Um, so obviously it's important to clean up your bedding, but I am super into feng shui and in feng shui, they recommend you sleeping in like a deep cleaned room, not just like a cleaned room, but like very little clutter, like make sure your drawers are organized and whatnot. And when you think about it, it kind of makes sense because if you're like trying to work in a room that's really cluttered and has a lot of stuff everywhere and it's not organized or clean, it's definitely much harder to like focus on your work compared when you're working in like a clean, more peaceful environment. So just like it's hard to focus if it's cluttered, it's also harder to sleep if your room is super cluttered. So I, it's just like so random, but it totally makes sense that if your bedroom is like a mess and there's stuff everywhere, that it can definitely be harder for your brain to wind down and actually fall asleep. And then once you're asleep, actually get good deep sleep. Yeah, I love it. I also just like, you want your bedroom to be like your haven, right? Yes. Like where you can go to just like let go of everything, relax and just like, yeah, be safe and secure and mm-hmm. sleep. So whatever you want to do, like I loved... When I had more space in a house, I would put, like, tapestries on the walls mm-hmm. or, like, really dim, cool, like, lights on the ceiling yes. or, I don't know, just, like, make it a, yeah, make it whatever type of environment you would, like, love to yeah, like we feel calm in. Like you say, Himalayan salt lamps or candles yeah. or, like, peaceful artwork and just not, like, clutter and stuff everywhere. Like, that is exhausting. Number eight for our sleep supportive tips are to utilize sleep supportive herbs. So there are many herbal allies that you can utilize for sleep. Some include chamomile, one of my favorites, kava, passion flower, California poppy, valerian, holy basil, magnolia bark, lemon balm, and tart cherry. I know for a while there, like five years ago, my husband would drink valerian root, I think it was, every Mm. single night before bed, and it would definitely help him fall asleep. Um, these, all of these herbs are typically enjoyed in like a tea form, but you can also absolutely have them in a tincture form. Tinctures are obviously going to be more concentrated and potent, whereas teas are going to be like more gentle. So sometimes a tincture can be like too much and too potent, especially if you're not used to it. So we recommend starting with the tea, but if you want a little more oomph, you could opt for a tincture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a tincture that I've used before and recommended to clients called Deep Sleep. And I think it has it has a couple herbs. I think it has California poppy, maybe valerian, lemon balm. Yeah, it's just a really good blend. And the cool thing uh, that I learned so long ago about passion flower is passion flower in particular can help if you have lots of racing thoughts before mm. bed. Also journaling and writing a to-do yes. list will be, is helpful too. But passion flower in particular helps with like... Yeah, like the chatter, mental chatter. Interesting. Yeah. 
Okay, so tip number nine is don't be a mouth breather. So do you notice your mouth is really dry when you wake up or have you been told that you snore? Those are two signs that you might be breathing through your mouth at night. So ideally, nose breathing is is what you're going to be doing at night and that is going to be really important to help you get a deep restful sleep. So a couple things you can do, you can literally tape your mouth shut, right? A lot of people are mouth taping. You can use regular tape or you can just Google search mouth tape and there's lots of different products. There's fancier versions of, of tape that you can put on your mouth, but the idea is that you want to, uh, you want to breathe through your nose during the night. Another big thing you can do is practice breath work throughout the day. So uh, this can be really helpful in really like retraining your body how to actually breathe correctly and breathe deeply and breathe through your nose. And that can often translate into how you breathe during the night. And then of course you want to address any underlying physical issues that might cause mouth breathing. This could be like deviated septum, underdeveloped jaws, um, yeah, things like that. Mouth breathing and nose breathing is super interesting to me and it totally makes sense. Like you're supposed to breathe through your nose. Like that's what breathing is for. Like we can breathe through our mouths, but it's supposed to be a backup. It's supposed to be like I'm running for a bit from a bear. Like I need more oxygen. So I'm breathing through my mouth. And so again, if we're breathing through our mouths, that's sending a signal to our brains that like, oh no, we're under stress. And like sleep is supposed to be a time of like rest and relaxation. But if you're breathing through your mouth and your body's like, oh no, something's wrong, we're under stress. Mm -hmm. So we, like you wouldn't think that snoring is bad or that like it's super essential to breathe through your nose. But when we breathe through our nose, it actually sends a signal to the rest of our body that we're like rest and calm and can actually sleep and regenerate and be in that rest and digest parasympathetic state. Um, My husband actually has a deviated septum, so he has trouble breathing through his nose and I've been like, we really need to get on this. Mm -hmm. He sometimes snores, but if I like position him the right way, he'll breathe through his nose. So at least he like can, but we definitely need to make it so that he doesn't snore Mm -hmm. at all. Also a little interesting bonus that if you do breathe through your mouth and you get your septum fixed or whatnot, or you start training yourself to breathe through your nose, you can actually change the structure of your face due to like how, I don't really know much of the science behind it, but I've seen so many um, like mouth taping befores and afters Mm -hmm. of people like their jaw is like super underdeveloped or like their nose pushes super far out or their nose has one of those like bumps on it Mm -hmm. and after they train themselves to breathe through their nose their face structure actually changes and like they become more beautiful i don't know just a very interesting side effect of breathing through your nose yes yeah i think breathing is something that we don't really think about just like yeah we should your mouth is a backup like you should be breathing almost all the time out of your nose yes yeah okay so those are our nine tips i have an extra bonus tip for you so one that i do that i think have has had an an amazing impact on my sleep is i sleep on really hard surfaces so um it may sound crazy but the harder the surface that you're sleeping on the more aligned your skeletal system Mm -hmm. is and the more supported your body is during sleep so this day and age we've been so accustomed to like plush beds Mm -hmm. which really 
feel comfy but can manipulate your spine and contribute to muscle pain so sleeping on a harder surface or a harder mattress something like a japanese futon can help support a more deep restful sleep better spinal alignment less pain and so much more so i sleep basically on the ground now after years of like neck and back pain and i have no pain anymore so i first transitioned off a mattress in like 2017 after i was having like crazy bad neck and back pain um so i transitioned i started sleeping on like a three inch foam pad type thing on the floor and then after a couple weeks of that and my body kind of got used to that i started sleeping on the carpet with like a blanket under me and i literally haven't gone back since so you know when i'm like visiting or like traveling like i can sleep on just straight on the floor of course i'd prefer like a uh you know like a like a rug or like put a blanket on the floor but it sounds crazy but that's i have never slept better than i do when i sleep on really hard surfaces so my setup now is a little bit different since I'm in Austin, um, but my setup in Utah for like the past four years has been um, basically just sleeping on the ground. I have like a one inch latex, you could call it a mattress. It's like an inch, but it squishes down so, you know, it's really squishy. Um, so I have an inch latex queen pad and then I have like a wool pelt on top of it. And I usually will sleep on, I'll put like a, a sheet on top of that and then, um, that's it so it's pretty hard and really firm um it feels basically like you're sleeping on the ground um just imagine like you know sleeping in a you know when you're camping basically sleeping like on dirt that's kind of what it feels like uh, but it's it's been amazing and like life-changing for my sleep so if those of you who want to go down the rabbit hole on like sleeping on hard surfaces there's so much fun information online about like rewilding your sleep and like getting back to how we used to sleep because we used we never had these super super thick mattresses um so that's a an extra bonus tip for all of you yeah my parents have like one of the hardest beds i've ever like this is so hard but they're like totally fine and i definitely absolutely prefer I mean, I'm not as, I need to like get on your level one of these days, (laughs) but I definitely like prefer a harder mattress. And I know that if I like go to an Airbnb or like sleep in a really squishy bed, I swear my lower back hurts every single time that I wake up. So super interesting. I've been wanting to get a latex mattress for the longest time. Uh, One little other side note we wanted to mention is what we think of like sleep tracking tools, like the Aura Ring, or I know some of the newer model fitbits actually track your sleep and we think they're cool we think they're interesting but like i don't think they're necessary like you know when you wake up if you got good sleep or not like if you woke up a bunch of times and it was hard for you to fall back asleep or you were just tossing and turning like obviously you didn't get good sleep you don't need like a ring to or like some fancy device to tell you that like okay now that you have this information that I told you what are you actually going to like do with it so again it can be interesting but we feel like there's so many so much information out in the world and we need to like delete some information from our lives and like tune back into just ourselves and how we're feeling so again if you like those things and they improve your sleep or they give you more information then you're really interested in it go for it like I don't think there's anything wrong with it if unless it should be on airplane mode but I do know that aura (laughs) ring can be on airplane mode and not like giving you emfs all the time 
So again, if it's your thing, go for it. But like, we don't think that those are necessary or like that you should go out and buy one of these things to like get your sleep score every night. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest point is what you said of like, it's just disconnecting you from how you actually feel right. I know they have like, I've never had one and I know people who are obsessed with them and they're like, here's my readiness score. And it's like, okay, you know, you you feel like shit so you knew your readiness score <laughs> yeah. was gonna look like shit you know it's it's just like we don't need these devices to tell us how we're actually feeling no. you know so a couple other resources for sleep like i mentioned before some healthy bedding options there's sashi organics organics which is s-a-c-h-i um avocado green mattress um holy lamb organics i'm sure there's so many more um but those are just a couple that we like or have had experience with. Uh, a really good book to look mm-hmm. into more on breath and breathing is the book by James Nestor called Breathe. Or is it Breath? I don't yeah, know. Confirm. Okay, it's one of those. James Nestor is the author. Yes. Um, and then one more article, or I guess one more resource that I love, it's on the Ancestral Supplements blog. So it's called The Ultimate Ancestral Guide to Better Sleep. And we can put that link in the show notes, but it's, it's a really good blog on just Hmm. how we should sleep. You know, it's very similar to kind of a lot of the tips that we shared. Just, it's, it's a fun thing to look at. So those are some other resources for you. I love it. I love sleep. And this was really fun to do. So as to wrap up, here is what we talked about. Number one, embrace those light and dark circadian rhythms. Number two, have some kind of bedtime routine again it doesn't have to be super extreme just try to do the same similar things every night to let your body know that it's winding down number three keep your room cold so that your body temperature can lower number four this is especially if you have a hard time going falling asleep but maybe try to have a bedtime snack Uh, number five those sleep supportive nutrients number six Be mindful of the types of exercise you do and when. No super intense exercise late at night and making sure you're just actively moving throughout the day. Number seven, clean up your bedding and just your whole sleep environment. Number eight, maybe try some sleep supportive herbs. And number nine, don't be a mouth breather. So this was really fun. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you have any questions at all, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Maddie, where can people find you? Yes, so I'm on Instagram at thegutgoddess or uh, you can find all my info on thegutgoddess.com. What about you, Bella? Yes, I'm mostly on Instagram. I am at Nourish with Bella, or you can find many of my blogs or resources or contact me on my website, nourishwithbella.com. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.